Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And you found a place where math is not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships. We believe we can mentor students to think and reason like mathematicians. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but y'all, rotely repeating steps actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. So I'm laughing a little bit as you're talking because I'm listening to the things that you're saying and I'm kind of nodding and I'm like, yes. And then I look up a little bit and I glance at the um, title, what we titled this episode. We called this episode Memorizing Subtraction Facts. Uh, facts uh-huh. but, but, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, Pam. <laughs> um, so we probably need to get into it really quickly because I'm sure there's some people who are like, what, what are they going to talk about on memorizing Yeah. Uh, So Kim, I find this fascinating. You know, I'm a little bit of a wordsmith. I'm a little bit, I I enjoy the, um, the, the exercise of debating. I enjoy really getting under meaning. I enjoy, you know, like really understanding what people are talking about and asking them to define their terms and, you know, like just being really super clear on things. And one of the things that has been fascinating to me is I've been working with people to build their powerful numeracy over the last 20, 25 years is this confusion over the word memorize that we really think it means something different than uh, that, like as we're communicating. So I want to get really clear today about what we mean when we say we want kids to know their facts Uh and what we don't mean. So The word memorize, I think is super tricky because I think people will use it to mean that kids should rote memorize stuff. And I think other people will use it to mean that kids should know stuff. Yep. And even that's a little fuzzy. And so let's parse those two out. When I say that I want kids to own something deep down, then that means I want it at their fingertips. I want it to not... Uh, ha, cause a huge cognitive load for them to redo, refigure, especially um, find it in some less sophisticated way than the operations calling for. I want it to be something that they um, own 
with connections to other things so that they have multiple neural pathways that are that are uh, like involved in the knowing, the owning, the, the really having that so that it can ping in their intuition so that when they own that fact, say we're talking about multiplication facts today, when they own that fact that things ping for them, relationships and, and mathematical connections occur to them. They have to intuition around it because it is deeply owned. Now, if that's what you mean when you say, yeah, so they've memorized it. Yeah, they, they, you know, they have it in their memory. If that's what you mean, okay, great. Then, then, then yay, let's do that. But I think the word memorize is tricky because I think it can also mean the way you get there, the way you yes. own it. Yep. And it can mean, and so I, st- uh, I don't know, several years ago, I stopped saying the word memorize when what I meant was rote memorize. So I think that memorize often can mean to people that we're rote memorizing something. And you're like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Mean? Well, that's like where I admit that it's not really understandable. It's not really figure outable. It's something that is uh, rote memorizable. And I need to therefore have a rhyme or a rap or a mnemonic or some kind of memory technique to, to, to be able to memorize that thing that it could be a disconnected way and something that doesn't have anything to do with it. I don't know. Something about Mrs. Weeks sitting on a chair. Do I, do I mention that here, Kim? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll mention this one that was on my kid's wall in third grade um, that said something like six times eight, like the garden gate is made of six. So it's 56. Wait, six mm-hmm. times eight. And I do that wrong on purpose. Six times eight isn't 56. I do that wrong on purpose to to exemplify the problem with rote memorizing facts because I could rote memorize them wrong. I could rote memorize that rhyme. It should be seven times eight, like the garden gate is made of six, so it's 56. Um, But if I rote memorize it wrong, then I'll get it wrong. I could rote memorize the nines trick with my fingers wrong and I could get the nines wrong. I could rote memorize the fact 13 minus eight wrong and I could get it, I could get it, be real consistent about 13 minus eight. But if I, if I've memorized it wrong, if I've wrote memorized it wrong, my rhyme, my rap, the mnemonic, the way that the picture I've drawn, the story I've told, if I've somehow get that wrong, then I'm going to get that that fact wrong all the time. Or another um, alternative is I'm going to uh, forget it. I'm going to not, Mm -hmm. not be able to recall it. And then, then I'm stuck with nothing. I'm like, I don't don't remember. I, I can't remember that, that rhyme that I had or that story that I told or whatever. In fact, I was just reading in uh, Dr. Dr. Nikki Newton's Running Records this morning. I'm a little bit about some of the introductory stuff. And she uh, very nicely parsed out where she was talking to students. And she said, so if this student has wrote memorized the fact, and I think she used the word memorized, not wrote memorized, but I'll say if the student had wrote memorized it, when they get to it on uh, somewhere where they need to to have have it there and they can't recall it from rote memory, then they'll just skip it or they'll guess. Like that's the only recourse that they have. And so again, I want to just kind of at at the top of this episode, parse out the difference between what does it mean to have the, to own the fact so that yes, I can pop it out when I need it. I can have it at my fingertips, but more than just have it as a disconnected fact that that's all I have. That's it doesn't have multiple mathematical connections that ping that, that help me intuitively do other things with it. Uh, help me, yeah. uh, Kim, uh, is there any of that that you want to kind of 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's so good because either the word memorize could either mean something you've committed to memory in in whatever way you've committed it, which is Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. you and I are interested in. We do want things to be automatic. We do want kids to own things. But the other version of memorize means an action of things to do to to put it in your memory. And those are the things that we're not interested in rote memory. We're not, we're not interested in the rote memory, like the action of this is what we think you do over and over and over and over and over over again to get it into your memory. Yeah. So what actions are we interested in? We're interested in actions that are related to relationships. We want Mm -hmm. kids to deal with the numbers a lot and get, um, not, not just deal with the numbers, but deal with the kinds of relationships that are important so that they're thinking about doubles. They're thinking about close to 10. They're thinking about, um, using facts they know and then and then being able to compensate from there those yeah. relationships are the super important things that we want to deal with a lot so that those neural connections get really strong so that in the case that we ask a kid uh something like 13 minus 8 in that case when we ask them that then if they if it doesn't just pop for them if they don't intuitively just know uh, you like say it or, or have it right there that they then intuitively have things ping for them that are those major relationships that are additive relationships so that they quickly refigure it in a way that isn't a big cognitive load. And, and they're not stuck with, Oh, I can't remember. I I can't remember. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Or I'll guess because their only, their only recourse, if it was rote memorized, um, if they can't remember the rap, the rap, the rhyme, the mnemonic, the whatever, then, then their only recourse is to guess or they don't know. Right. Yeah. I also think that it's really important to note right at the beginning here that we recognize that people get really hung up on facts. It's it's a huge topic of conversation. And a lot of times that's because if you're only going to do the algorithms, then you literally just work with the basic facts over and over and over and over and over again. And so if that's your jam, if you are I'm full on leading towards an algorithm, then I understand why it would make sense that you would say, just memorize these 144 things and we're just going to, we're going to repeat them over and over and over and over over again. Seems like it would be an easy job. You know, it's not, but that's not our goal, right? We, we are about place value and magnitude and thinking and relationships. And so since our goal is different, it's not just to get answers. We are less inclined to work with facts in the ways that other people do, but we are interested in, in, making sense of the facts as ways to work with strategies and thinking with less sophisticated numbers so that those strategies and thinking with can, can happen with all size of numbers. That's our outcome is we want to, the ways that we work with the facts then lend themselves towards the work we do as the numbers get bigger. Yeah. And, and maybe it would be helpful to illustrate that, but I've just been using the fact 13 minus eight. So uh, a, a uh, way of addressing subtraction facts is, um, okay, there's these 144 separate subtraction. If I look at the deck of cards, I'm going to drill kids on these. There's 144, I, I'm I, 12 by 12. I don't know. I don't know how many subtraction facts there are. 87, however many there are, I'm going to drill kids on those and they're going to have these separate disconnected uh, flashcards wrote memorized uh-huh. and uh, however, however we accomplish that. But if what we're about is what you just said, but it's really about mathematical relationships and connections and, and patterns and properties that, that if we develop those with these less sophisticated numbers can extend to, to l- more sophisticated numbers. An example of that would be if a kid's thinking about 13 minus eight as the difference between 
eight and 13. That that's five. Like I can go from the eight to the 10 is two. And from the 10 to the 13 is, is um, three. So that's a total of a distance of five. If they're thinking about like that, then they can also think about a problem like 130 minus 80. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a similar fashion, they go, well, I can do the same thing. I can find the distance between 80 and 130. They can think about something like 1,300 and 800, the, the mm-hmm. 1,300 minus 800. That mm-hmm. it, because those problems become drastically different problems if I'm lining them up in algorithms, right? Yep. Like yep. if I, in fact, maybe I'll just, because I don't know that we were going to mention that today, but if I, if I line up 13 minus eight and do the algorithm, how many, how many times teachers, <laughs> this is when, you know, the algorithm is failing your kids when they look at a problem like 13 minus eight and they line it up. And so now I have the one, three, I have the eight below the three. And the kids say, okay, what am I going to do first? I got to do three minus eight. Nope. Can't do that. So I got to, I got to, oh, I got to borrow. Let's say I'm going to bring a 10 over here. So then that, that 10 over there, I'm going to, uh, that one becomes a zero. And now what do I end up with? I end up with 13 minus eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a all moment. Time. That's a time. moment where, you know, they're not thinking about 13 minus yep. eight at all. Yep. They're performing a bunch of steps. Um, and then who knows what they do when they get to that 13 minus eight, um, maybe count it by ones. Again, it's, it, that's less sophisticated reasoning if they're counting by ones than what we want to have happening, which is additive reasoning, thinking in terms of bigger chunks than one at a time. Let me just uh, carry that. So if I'm thinking about 13 minus eight by actually thinking about the difference between 13 and eight, then, then if I'm thinking about 130 minus 80, that, that becomes a completely different problem where now I've got zero minus zero and three minus eight. I mean, parts of it are this are similar and the same, but it's not, it's, I'm not feeling the same relationships. I'm not letting intuition help me reason about those similar numbers. Yeah. So also I get why, like you just said, if you are algorithm, I don't want to say algorithm oriented. That's not quite, that's what I was going to say. But if, if that's your goal focused, yeah. If your goal has been, and, and we don't blame you because you grew up in an algorithm focused, probably that's the way you were taught. But if that's the way you've been teaching uh, any of the four operations, then yeah, it makes sense that, you know, when students get to big numbers, that they're going to have to do these little numbers over and over and over. So they might as well just memorize those little number combinations because you're going to use them over and over in these, you know, uh, multi-step algorithms that totally makes sense. But if you're trying to build relationships, well, let me stay there. So it makes sense why you would want kids to do that, which then also makes sense why you might want those quick. And you don't want kids in the midst of a long subtraction problem to be counting on their fingers or to be grabbing uh, manipulatives and, and, and removing the manipulatives and counting what's left over you're, you might be saying to yourself, I need you to just, just own all these individual little um, subtraction facts in the midst of this big subtraction problem so that you can just do them and you don't have to do this, this, ti- this stuff that takes time in the middle of this. And so that might lead you to say, ooh, I think a way to, to stop you from refiguring these facts all the time, let's put a time limit on it. In fact, I just read Ugh. a post the other day by uh, Michael Pershing, um, who is uh, a thoughtful guy who puts out a lot of stuff, some of which we agree with, some of which we don't. But he his his bit was, let's give timed drills because we want to not allow kids the time to refigure and uh, because we don't want to leave them there. We don't want to have kids doing all this refiguring all the time. We want to give them a time limit so they're forced to memorize them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I'm I, I, Michael. You can tell me if I'm not uh, representing your your position accurately. So I get why that would be a thing if your goal is a bunch of disconnected f- set of facts that are that are that I can just pop out if I'm going to use them over and over, and so I want them to pop out. But that's not our goal. If right. if the goal is just that collection of rote memorized facts, fine, but not our goal. So maybe maybe we can agree that if our goal is to actually own the relationships. Then I want to do a lot with those relationships because the more, if we give kids lots of experience with those relationships and the properties and the, the, um, the different strategies that we can use to, to, to figure out the facts, then kids will naturally, they will naturally gravitate towards owning those facts, but mm-hmm. they will have so much more as well. Yep. Kim, uh, I wonder, I'm, I'm going to dive oh. in real quick um, okay, go, because go, go. I think that there are lots of people in the memorization, rote memorization camp who think that people like you and I mean you shouldn't do mad minutes, you shouldn't do time drills, you shouldn't do whatever, Flash you just got to let kids think. So then there's no work to be done. And, and that is absolutely not true. We are not like, let kids do whatever they want. Like, get them as manipulative. As Ten, five, you know, five minutes to think about it is fine. Like, we're saying, no, we're doing, actively doing a lot of work to own them. It's just not the rote memorization work. And, and I think that um, that's really important for us to say often because it's not rote memorization or nothing. Mm, and I nice. think that we, we have... Um, experienced teachers who say, I hear you, I buy it. I see that it's not helping my kids. They stress about the time thing. They, it's not improving them when I do it day after day after day with no work. Of course, it's not going to help them. So they're like, okay, I'm team. I'm not going to do that stuff. And then they just do nothing. And the next year teacher's like, uh, your kids got nothing. Or, or, or they come to us and say, so what do I do? Yes. Right. Like, let's give them that. Like there are Tons and tons of teachers that are like, okay, I'm buying in, I'm on team, let's figure these out. But now I don't know what to do because I have this arsenal of stuff to do to help them rote memorize. What is the arsenal now? What, how do I, because it does take work. It takes work for kids to own them. We're just suggesting that that work is not time-based and Mm -hmm. it's not disconnected drill-based. So Kim, let's dive. yeah, Yeah. What is the work? And Kim, I don't want to forget. I guess I could write this down somewhere. I don't want to forget that maybe we want to bring up the Trinity first grade thing. Um, what happens when we do all, you know, we're, we're about to, to talk about the arsenal of things to do. What happens when kids just kind of don't? Do you know what I mean? No, but you can tell me again when it's time to talk about it. Okay, I've written it down. I won't forget. <laughs> okay, okay. <sounds> good. <laughs> She's like, Pam, I can't read your mind. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right, so Kim, what is some of yeah. the work that we can do to help to help kids go? Yeah, so we recognize that there are some major relationships for single digit facts, right? We, we have talked about those and we're going to bring them up again here. So if you didn't listen to episode 149, which was the last episode, you'll definitely want to listen to that again, because we talked at length about distance or difference versus removal as the two interpretations of subtraction. So that work is um, super important, um, Mm -hmm. having kids experience both of those. Um, But there are a couple of major relationships with basic facts. Um, And so let's talk about a couple of those. And, and specifically, specifically in this episode with subtraction basic facts. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yep. if so if if there was a problem, 15 minus eight. It's it's often commonly missed, missed yes, yep. problem. So yep. so a major relationship is this idea of remove to 10. 
So if I'm thinking about 15 minus eight and I'm thinking about removing two 10, uh, then I might think about 15 minus five, which gets me to the 10. But then since I've removed five, I still have to remove three more to make the eight. So then 10 minus that last three would be seven. So 15 minus eight would be seven. That's a student who's thinking about removing to 10. And it's super cool because we can anchor everything on that 10, which is the basis of team numbers, right? If you've done any work with young grade students, you know that team numbers are an important place to hang for a while Mm -hmm. because every team number is 10 and some, 10 and some more. Um, So if we can think subtraction, go back to that 10, that that's an it's, it's an important and helpful strategy. So another strategy is thinking about doubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are huge fans of doubling and having numbers at a very young age. We want there to be a lot of work with doubling basic uh, facts when you're thinking about addition, and then that comes in really handy when you're thinking about subtraction. A, a kid who is thinking about fifteen minus eight might say, mm, "I know eight plus eight is 16. But that's too much. I need I need to just be back one to get to 15. So then I have to adjust one of those add-ins and call it eight plus seven. So eight and seven is 15. Uh, 15. So 15 minus eight would be seven. Nice, nice. Great. Um, so so far you've talked- Using doubles. Yep. yep. So I was just, I was going to just do that. Yep. We're moving Sorry. 10 doubles. Sorry. Okay. What's the, no, okay. I just wanted to make sure we kind of helping listeners sort of focus or yeah. Yeah. Those two, those two, is that it? So finding the difference, if we're thinking about not just talking about removing, so the the first one removed to 10 is a removal version of subtraction. If you're thinking about finding the difference, a kid might say, ah, I'm thinking about how far is it from eight to 15? Let me think about that gap between them. So somebody might say, "Mm, I know eight and two is 10. And then from 10 to 15 is five. And so that two and that five was the gap. So that's seven. Nice. And then one of my favorites is remove a friendly number over. And this is super helpful when you're thinking about sevens and eights and nines. Mm -hmm. So if you are removing a friendly number over and with 15 minus eight, you might say, "Mm, I don't want to subtract eight. I'm at 15. I want to remove 10 because that's easy. And so then I'm at five, but I've removed too much. And I would say how much too much? I've removed two too much because I did 10 instead of eight. So then I had to tack that two back on. So I was at uh, five, tack the two back on, and that would put me at seven. Brilliant. So four major relationships that are super important. That we want to help build with students. We want to help them develop those relationships so that those are, they, they own those relationships. It's not about memorizing those relationships either, right? It's not about saying, okay, kids, today you're going to rote memorize the steps for removing to 10. It's not about Mm -hmm. that. It's about giving them experiences where we, uh, and often it's problem strings where we give them strings of problems, where we do these relationships and we put them in front of kids and we let them see the patterns and we talk about the patterns and we make them with that verbalizing them. They get the patterns get stronger and kids own them. And now they have an intuition about how they want to attack a problem. If, Mm -hmm. well, uh, uh, let me say, yeah, they, they attack problems a lot and they use these strategies over and over and over and over and over so often that they um, own a lot of the mm-hmm. 
the 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 smaller subtraction facts and then the ones mm-hmm. they don't own the few that they don't own they quickly use one of these sophisticated strategies they can often with a low cognitive load because these strategies are they own the strategy they own the relationship so it's a low cognitive load to just quickly will do one of these because they've done it they they own them just for those few that they don't maybe be have at their fingertips yet and the more that they do that then they might they might have all of them at their fingertips by the end of yeah. that yeah. But again, if they don't, then they have a recourse. So Kim, if you don't mind quickly, I'm just going to give you one other problem and let's just run through those four strategies one more time. Okay. So if I gave cool. you, um, 17 minus nine, do okay. the, do the remove to 10 for me. Okay. So 17 minus nine, I'm removing two ten, So I'm removing seven first to get to 10. And then I still have two more to remove. So that would be eight. Cool. So I remove seven, remove two. Yep. So you move two ten. Got nice. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's do the doubles. How would doubles work with that? Okay. So I might say I know nine plus nine is eighteen, but I only need seventeen. So then it's going to be nine plus eight. Cool. And that's similar to the way that you just did. Oh yeah. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. I got excited. That's, okay. um, that's similar to the way you did the fifteen minus eight. If I could do the, maybe a different version of the doubles, yeah. I might think to myself, I know um, eighteen minus nine is mm-hmm. nine. And so, but now I'm doing 17 minus nine. So it's only going to be eight, but I also yeah. might think to myself, I know, um, eight and eight, uh, is, 16. Eight and eight is 16. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. And then, but I needed to get to 17. So then it's eight and nine. Nice. And so you kind of yeah. think about that partner of eight and nine, since we're subtracting nine, then the answer has got to be yeah. eight. Cool. Okay. What about, um, finding the difference? If you're finding the difference, 17 minus mm-hmm. nine. So I'm thinking about the gap between nine and 17. So from nine to 10 is one and then 10 to 17 is seven. So that one and that seven is the eight. Nice. And then lastly, if you wanted to remove a friendly number over your fave. Mm, it is my fave. So 17 <laughs> minus 10 would be seven, but I removed too much by one. So then I put that one back on and make it eight. Brilliant. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah. So we have these major relationships for single digit subtraction facts mm-hmm. that if we work mm-hmm. on those four, we work on developing those four major relationships, it can be super, super helpful for students. Yeah. And I think what's really even more important to us is not just that the kids have that work with basic facts and they have something that, so they don't just say, oh, I don't know that one. That That's a huge bit, right? That's really important. But mm-hmm. what I love more than anything is that these strategies are extending to higher numbers. It's not just like let's let's figure out eight new strategies for large numbers. That that get to 10, that remove to 10 is the same work that kids will do when they remove to 100 or remove, remove to 1000. That or, if that or remove is to any remo- friendly number. Remove yeah, to any that, friendly number, right? Yep, yeah. it's that general remove to a friendly number strategy. Same with removing a friendly number over. That is the, the one of the major strategies that we use for larger numbers. Finding the difference, huge for kids in older grades, all the way up through high school. Um, and using doubles, um, d- you know, doubles show up a lot more. Once you're aware of doubles, I think you realize that they show up a lot more often than we they're realize. So handy, yeah, they're so yeah. handy. Nice, yeah. So yeah. all of the, the these, the, it's, the, I'll just restate it that these four relationships that we just talked about, these four strategies extend to larger numbers. And that's our biggest goal. We want to, we want to learn them here with these less sophisticated numbers, develop them in students so that they ping then with larger and larger, and then 
and then when we go to decimals, smaller and smaller numbers. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, super. So we're going to wrap up because I think we talked for a while. But in our next <laughs> episode, we're going to dive into what you can do to build things, tangible things that you can do um, with individual kids and with classroom activities. So you're not going to want to miss that one. Join us in the next episode. Yeah. So in this episode, we really talked about what the relationships are, the strategies are to build. Let's actually do it in the next episode. Y'all join us there. It's going to be great. Thank you for tuning in and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figureoutable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.